Well, good morning. Good grief. I'm already having technical difficulties. It's not a good start. Um, I am really excited to be with you. This is a little bit different role for me. I typically serve as the communications director here and the director of our young adults program. So I'm excited to be here. In uh, 2013, my husband Joe and I, we weren't married yet, but we had the opportunity to go with Grace Point on a mission trip to Sierra Leone, and that's uh, on the coast of Africa. And it was a really amazing trip. A lot of really cool things happened. We learned a lot on that trip, and, and it was life-changing um, for me. And our goal while we were there was to work with this little tiny village, Katiri, and we were building relationships with them because as a church, we were funding a clean water well there. Like I said, the trip was incredible, but the travel to and from was very difficult. It's an eight-hour trip um, across to Europe and then about another eight-hour trip down uh, to, to Freetown, which is the capital. And when we got there, we're exhausted, we're tired. Um, it, was, it was a long, long trip. And we got off the plane and we realized we did not have any luggage. Somewhere along the trip, it had been lost. So we just had what we had in our carry-ons. And um, I did not pack my carry-on very well. I packed things like snacks and a book to read, but I didn't pack any clothes. Or I packed one outfit in the carry-on. And so we got off the plane and we met um, Saidu. He was our in-country director. He was the guy that would be taking us around. And we explained to him what happened. We told him our plight. And he goes, no problem. We'll just run to Walmart. <laughs> awesome. I have never been so excited to go to Walmart in my life. And, and just before I could express my excitement, he goes, just kidding. We don't have Walmart here. <laughs> I thought, oh my word. So instead, we went to a local market there in Freetown, the capital, and there is nothing like it in the United States that I can compare it to. There, there is just nothing. It's this long dirt road, and on both sides of the road, side by side by side, with no room in between, are these stalls. Some of them are more permanent than others. Some of them are just a tent. Some of them is, are just tin leaned up against the walls next to them. And in each of these stalls, there's a vendor, and they have all sorts of wares. Anything you could find at Walmart, kind of. Um, they have clothes, and they have tools, and shoes, and, and some of them sell food. So as a group, we all went. And I'm pretty sure all the vendors were in cahoots with each other because like four or five would run up to us at each stall. You would see them coming from the other ones and come in. And um, I'm sure we were quite an oddity. There were eight of us and we were all frazzled and, and just overwhelmed. And so we're shopping through these stalls and I pretty quickly found a dress that would work. And like I said, I had one outfit in my carry-on. So I thought, okay, two, I can flip-flop all week. So I decided, well, I've got mine. The other people are still looking. I'm gonna kind of walk up and down the street a little bit. And so I started to walk down and there was a little crest and I came over, over this little tiny hill. And what do you think I saw to my sheer horror? But Pastor Tim and one of the vendors having a heated discussion over a pair of tidy whities <laughs> Now, I did get permission for him, him to tell this story. Um, 
but remember how I said those stalls are so close together? There was nowhere for me to run. <laughs> and that's all I could think about is run, get out of here. And out of the corner of his eye, he saw me and he said, Nikki, come here. I thought, no, 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 no. You do not want to have a conversation about underwear with your pastor. But I did. I walked up to him and he said, Nikki, will you please do me a favor and help the other ladies on this trip find underwear? And up until that moment, I had not even thought about my underwear or the fact that I would be lacking it or that anyone else on the trip would be lacking it. So, of course, I said, yes, I, I would do that. And the vendor that he was working with kind of indicated that there would be someone down the road that would have ladies' things. So off I went, and I walked, walked down the road, and I found the stall that I thought might be. And I asked the guy, do you have women's underwear? He goes, oh, yes. He got a big grin on his face. And he proceeded to hold up the laciest, skimpiest piece of underwear I have ever seen in my life. And I think I turned about 10 shades of red. And I thought, oh, gosh, I, what am I going to do? And so I said, well, do you have anything more plain? And he goes, Oh, yes. And so he, he takes like a swan dive into this pile of ladies' underwear. Like, think Scrooge McDuck into the pile of money. That is what this was. And he digs around, underwear's flying everywhere, and he pops back up and he goes, no, I don't. Oh, gosh. He goes, I have a friend. And he takes off, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what does I have a friend mean? How many people are going to know about my underwear issues? So he runs off and he comes back just a minute later and he has one six pack of cotton underwear. We didn't get to pick sizes, colors, any of it, cut, none of it. But he handed it to me and we bartered a little bit, though I had very little bargaining power at this point. And uh, I made my purchase and, and went on my way. And that week, three of us ladies split one six pack of cotton underwear and as I hand-washed my underwear that week and flipped it inside out, wore it backwards, all the little tricks, you know, um, I became very, very thankful for those two pair of underwear. And that trip, that whole experience um, really became a genesis for me, the beginning of learning about what living a life of thankfulness is, is all about. There are so many things in this world that we take for granted, that I take for granted, but that is not how we are supposed to li live as believers. When God changes your life, he wants more from you than that. He wants to change your heart and your attitudes as well. So if you're here today and you're just checking us out or maybe you're watching this online and you're not sure if you believe what we believe, you're not sure um, what this is all about, first, I promise we don't talk about underwear every week. But second, you can just sit back and relax for a minute. You can listen to this and say, well, that's good advice. Or you can just throw out what I'm going to say over the next 30 minutes and, and walk out of here. But if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life over to him, if he has cleansed you of your sins, thankfulness is not a virtue. It's not words that we say when our food is delivered to our table. It's not even a holiday that we celebrate in November. Thanksgiving is an intentional behavior that is part of the transformational process of becoming more like Christ. 
And there's a fancy biblical word for that. It's called sanctification, that becoming like Christ. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. If you have your Bibles or your mobile devices with you, go ahead and get those out. We're going to look at a couple of spots in the New Testament in Paul's letters where he talks about living a life of gratitude. But we're going to spend most of our time in Colossians, so you can turn, turn there. Just a little bit of background information. Paul was a Jewish man who was steeped in the Jewish culture and religion, and he was also a Roman citizen. He was so devout in his Jewish beliefs that when Christianity, when followers of Jesus first started popping up, he persecuted them, he stoned them. He was so devout and rigid until he had an incredible encounter with Jesus. And from that moment on, Paul's life changed turned 180 degrees. Paul became the most prolific writer in the New Testament, and most of his writings were letters to churches or to individuals that he had discipled. There are 13 letters of Paul's that are collected into our New Testament. We know that he wrote more than that, but this is what we have the most accurate record of. And each of Paul's letters was sent to a church or one of his disciples for a couple of reasons, either to challenge something that they were doing or to encourage the believers in that church. In nine of Paul's 13 letters, Paul gives verbal written thanks for something, either the believers or something that's going on in the church. And you hear things like this. I always give thanks to you and the, for the gracious gifts he has given you. Let me first say that I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith. And I think of you and I give thanks. Thankfulness permeates, it bubbles up through all of Paul's writings. So why was Paul so thankful? Why was that so important to him? In his uh, letter to Timothy, first letter to Timothy, he kind of explains it. He gives some background on it. And I want you to listen carefully to this. These verses will be on the screen behind me. In 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 and 13, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy, and he appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. Then jump to verse 15, he goes on. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then he raises his hand and he says, I am the worst of them all, but God. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then, that's not all, then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Paul was thankful because the God of the universe showed up in a personal and profound way. God changed Paul, and then he used Paul to bring glory back to himself, and Paul was along for an incredible ride. Paul got to witness um, Jews and Gentiles, people who hated each other, come together to worship the name of Jesus and worship him as son of God. Paul saw churches planted all across the Mediterranean and the Middle East, made up of men and women, rich and poor, free people, 
and enslaved people, people who had it easy and people who had it hard. And Paul was there at the beginning of the movement that would change the world. So he had a lot to be thankful for. But the number one thing he was thankful for was the way God changed him and the way God used him. So this is Paul's framework, right? His experience with Jesus was life-changing, and God used him to teach and correct and to guide new believers, and that's exactly what he did, and that is exactly what he's doing in the book of Colossians. It was written to a little tiny church in the city of Colossae. Um, It was very small. uh, Many New Testament scholars think it was the smallest of the New Testament churches, and it was a young church. And most likely, Paul had never been there. People think it was actually planted by one of his disciples. But this church was starting to have ungodly philosophies and behaviors creeping into their teaching and into their way of life. So Paul wrote this letter to correct, to guide, and refocus the believers. He started by reminding the believers of who Jesus is, and he warns them to be aware of false teaching. And then he reminds the believers that when they begin to follow Jesus, they were given a new life. Their life changed. This is Colossians 3.3. He says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You had an old life, and that's gone now. And now you have a new life, just like Paul did. And then Paul goes on to call out several sinful earthly things that had been creeping into the church. Sexual immorality, greed, idolatry, anger, malice. Some of that list feels a little familiar. But he said, you used to do those things. Those are the old life ways. You don't have to do them anymore. You used to be that way. But God has made you new. God has changed you. Don't go back to the old ways. Live in the new life that God has given you. When you hear that, do you think, have there been old life ways that are creeping back into my life? Has God changed me? Has God made me new? Then I should take this as a warning and a teaching for us. So Paul lists all those old life ways, and then he does a flip, and he gives the new life. And he says, since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we talked about that last week, you are called to live in peace and to always be thankful. Paul goes through the whole list, old ways of life, new ways of life. And it would be a really great teaching series to compare those at some day. But it almost feels like he tacked thankfulness on at the end, right? Don't do this, do this, don't do this, live this new way. Oh yeah, and be thankful. And if you read by it too quickly, you totally miss it. But thankfulness is not an addition, it's not an afterthought, it's not an addendum. It is the foundation for all of those other behaviors. When we're turning away from sexual immorality, we should be thankful that God provides the strength to do it. 
when we're fighting the urge to be greedy or jealous, we should be thankful for what God has already given us. And when we're faced before putting other things before God, our time, our kids, our money, the things we have to do, we should be thankful that he is all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent, with no other gods before him, and whatever we try to put it before him won't stand above him. And on the flip side of that, when you're extending mercy to others, be reminded and be thankful of the mercy God has extended to you. And when you're forgiving others, be thankful for God's forgiveness toward you. And when you're loving towards others, be thankful for the love that God has given you. And then Paul puts a bow on it. He wraps it up this way. He says, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. The way you and I live on this earth, if we are followers of Jesus, is a representation of who Jesus is to those around us. And if we believe that Jesus is our Savior, who died on the cross, who gave himself up for us so that you and I could come and stand before God, if we say that we believe that, but we are not bubbling up with thanks, do we understand it? Do we really believe it? We are called to be thankful in everything. He uses the term, whatever you do. That means when the going is good and when it's not so good, we are supposed to be thankful. So let me ask you, have you been thankful this week? Have you verbally said words of thanks to God? Or have you let the other things creep in? When you got that job, did you thank God? When you lost that job, did you thank him? When you found out you were going to be a grandparent, did you thank him? When you found out you might never have children of your own, did you thank him? When you got to spend the day golfing, hiking, running, whatever your leisure activity is, did you thank God for rest? Or when you were working those extra hours, the long shift, the hard work, did you thank God? How about this? When you got in your car and you drove through that restaurant fast food line and your hamburger came, did you thank God whether the order was right or not? That one gets me because I'm a fast food junkie. When the kids painted a beautiful piece of art but left paint all over the living room, did you thank God for the creativeness he instilled in them? When you went to the doctor, did you thank him no matter what the news was, good or bad, that he was right there in the midst of it with you? Did you thank him this week? We are called to be thankful in everything, from the mundane to the magnificent, from the painful to the powerful moments. And when we're swimming in hot water or standing on holy ground, we are called to be thankful. And I know some of you are out there thinking up excuses, because I do this too. I don't need to be thankful right now. This is going on. And you might say, Nikki, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the pain I'm in. You don't know how hard this part of life is. You don't know how much I've been wronged. You don't know, and you're right. I don't know. But let me tell you, positivity, painlessness, and prosperity are not prerequisites for thankfulness. And you know how I know that? Because Paul, who wrote this letter, who wrote nine letters where Thanksgiving just bubbled up in his writing, was in prison when he wrote this. Paul, who had a persistent thorn in his side, whether it was literal or metaphorical, he thanked God 
Paul, who was beaten to the point of death numerous times, thanked God for using him. And if Paul isn't an example enough, we have lots of people in the Bible we can look to. Daniel, for example, knew that by getting on his knees and thanking God, he would be led straight into the mouth of lions. And look at Jesus, who the night before he was crucified, thanked God for the way his body would be broken for the salvation of you and me. He thanked God. So how did they do that? How did these heroes of our faith have such an attitude of gratefulness, an attitude of thanksgiving in the face of pain and suffering? Paul gives us that answer before he even told us we were to be thankful. He said at the beginning of chapter 3, Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, this means Christ has transformed you. He's justified you before God. He's cleansed you. Since you are in that new life living, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Our attitude of thanksgiving must not be based on our current circumstances. Rather, it must be rooted in the reality of Christ's circumstances. Let me say that again. Our thankfulness, the, the, the praise we give back to God, should not be rooted in our circumstances, but rather rooted in the reality of Christ's circumstances. Christ sits at the right hand of God, and when we approach the throne, he stands in our place. And for those of us that have accepted this gift, God sees our sin debt as paid in full. And the fact that we can come before a holy, just, and righteous God and not be counted as sinners is what should send us to our knees in thankfulness. This holiness of heaven in the form of Jesus came down to earth, and he made a way when there was no other way. If you're just checking us out, you're watching online and, and you don't know what I'm talking about or you're not sure what it means for Jesus to pay our sin debt, I would love to talk with you about that. Any of our, our team would love to talk with you about that. But this gift, this gift of eternal life is not just for good people. It's not just for holy people or righteous people. No, this gift is for sinners and Paul claims to be the worst. But God transformed his life. He took him from that old way of life and he gave him new life. He, he transformed Paul in such a way that Paul went from a stone thrower to a thanks bestower. So followers of Jesus, are you thankful? If we're being honest with ourselves and if I'm being honest with myself, thankfulness and gratitude can be a struggle. We live in a life where thankfulness is kind of old-fashioned um, we don't always feel it, and we don't always receive it. We're too busy comparing ourselves to others. We're too busy grasping for that next thing, feeling like we've been wronged, like it's our right. We look for fulfillment in other things, bigger things, the bigger TV, the nicer house, the nicer lawn. Um, we look for fulfillment in other people. Does that mean we're not followers of Jesus? No, it just means we have to practice. You see, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we become followers of Jesus, in an instant, we are completely justified, meaning we are made holy in the eyes of God, <coughs> covered by the blood of Jesus. 
but we are not instantly made Christ-like. That's something we have to work out over time. And Paul was telling this to the church in Colossae. He was telling them the righteous ways of living, the old life and then moving into the new life. And when he does that, he uses this little verb, enduyo, which means to clothe, to put on. This is not something passive. It doesn't happen to you. It's something you have to participate in, and it takes practice, and we don't always get it right the first time. Have you ever seen a kid clothe themselves? Pants are on backwards. Shoes are on the wrong feet. The top doesn't match the bottoms. But they're practicing, right? They're getting it. They're learning the hang of it. There's some pretty wild kid fashions out there. But, but that is what we have to do with thankfulness. We have to put it on. We have to practice it. Dr. Randall Smith, he's a biblical archaeologist, teacher, and scholar, and he summarizes what Paul is telling the church in Colossae this way. He says, to be transformed, I have to deliberately change what I'm focused on in my daily life. Until I change where I think my fulfillment comes from, I will never begin transformation. Thankfulness is a cycle. The more you thank God for what you have and what you've been given, the more you will find to be thankful for. And just like a marathon runner starts out by running one mile, learning thankfulness starts small. Now, some of you have been training for the thankfulness marathon your whole life, and you are really good at this. But some of us have to start at the beginning, and we have to look for daily practices of thanksgiving. And those daily practices are going to look different for each one of us, right? But I'd like to give you a little piece of practical advice. If you're struggling to find something to be thankful for, or if you feel yourself feeling constantly wronged or angry or that life is unfair, or maybe it's hard to jump into being thankful for everything, start small. Start with the mundane. For me, when I'm feeling greedy or jealous or I'm refusing to forgive someone or I'm angry at God or I'm, I'm just not, I'm living in that old life ways. When I do that, I have to stop and I turn and I thank God for my underwear. It's okay to chuckle at that. I usually do. But what it does is it takes me back to a time when my eyes were on the realities of heaven and not on the realities of this earth. And from there, <coughs> excuse me, from there I can build up. I'm thankful for my underwear. I'm thankful for the drawer that my underwear's in. I'm thankful for the dresser that my drawer that holds my underwear is in. I'm thankful for the room that the chest is in that holds my underwear. I'm thankful for the house where my husband and I have begun to build a home with our son. And I'm reminded that those are good places to start but not get stuff stuck there because it's stuff. And stuff is circumstantial. It's temporary. So I'm thankful then for the opportunity to understand God's character a little bit better by being a wife and mother. And I'm thankful to have a better, though still flawed understanding of how Jesus could love someone so much that he would give such a sacrificial gift. And I am one of those people that he loves and you are one of those people that he loves. Do you see how the thankfulness begins to build? In her book, 1,000 Gifts, Ann Voskamp was challenged to come up with 1,000 things that she loved or gifts that she received from God. And through the process, she came to this conclusion. She says, thanksgiving 
is the evidence of our acceptance of whatever he gives. So what are you thankful for when it's hard, when life is hard or when life is good? What are you thankful for? Is there one thing in your life that can push the thankful, thankfulness dominoes over? Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of all skate. Everybody play. I'd like everybody to grab your phone or a piece of paper and a pen. If you need paper and pen, there's some in the seat back pockets in front of you. But everybody grab one. And in just a minute, I'm going to give us 20 seconds of silence. And in that time, I would like you to think of one thing that you are thankful for. It can be mundane, it can be magnificent, but one thing. And if you can come up with a list of 10 or 1,000, that's great, but start with one and write it down. And in just a moment, I'm gonna pray and thank God for those things, but take a moment to just focus your eyes, not on this narrow road of life, not on the earthly things, not on the old life ways, but on the new life, on the reality of heaven. So take, take some time to write those and then I'll wrap us up. God, thank you. Thank you for the way you have changed our lives as believers. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for sending Jesus to make a way when there was no other way. God, you are so good in all that we do, and we humbly, humbly thank you. God, for all the hundreds of things that are written out on these, on these papers and in these notes, thank you for the gifts that you bestow, whether whether we're in the good times or in the hard times, thank you, God. Go with us this week and remind us, put little sparks of that new life in our eyes so that our eyes are focused on the realities of heaven rather than this earth, this life. We love you, Lord, and it's in the precious and holy name of Jesus that we pray all of these things. So as you go this week, I hope that you will take that piece of paper or that note and put it in a place that you'll see it, that you'll be reminded that whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him through God, to God the Father. Thank you and have a good week, everybody.